Hello, everyone. Welcome to Health Formation, the podcast where we give you health and wellness news to use. This is Katie, and I am your host. And as always, I am so excited for today's episode. So two things as I introduce today's episode. First of all, this is a kind of a different episode than what we normally do. Um, Today's episode is really targeted at independent pharmacy owners and people that work in community pharmacy. So today's guest is repeat guest, Dr. Neil Smoller. And my second point in this introduction is that I need to introduce Neil because we popped on our Zoom and we kind of just started chatting and ranting and going in on everything that we wanted to talk about today and the things that, you know, we like to complain about. So I didn't introduce him. So today's guest is Dr. Neil Smoller. He owns an independent community pharmacy up in Woodstock, New York. And Neil has been killing it in the COVID vaccine rollout for his town and his county. So Neil has done thousands of vaccines so far. And at the time that you're listening to this, it may be tens of thousands, who even knows. But Neil, in the process of doing all these vaccines, has developed so many resources for his own pharmacy that he is coming on here today to tell you guys about so that he can share them with you. Um, And if you are a work in an independent community pharmacy or any kind of community pharmacy and you are working on the COVID vaccine rollout, he wants to provide these resources to you free of charge. So this is just such an amazing wealth of knowledge and information that he's providing to you. Um, He talks all about his school and his vaccine resources that he has in the episode. And I'm going to link those resources in the show notes. He also discusses his WordPress plugin and his app that he created. So if you do work in an independent pharmacy and you want want the app or the WordPress plugin, you just need to send him a message and he will send those to you free of charge. So I'm just really excited for you guys to take away a lot from today's episode to learn how you can better and more efficiently utilize these resources in your own pharmacy to stop spending hours and hours on the admin time of the COVID vaccine clinics, um, which I know that we all have over the last few months. We also kind of just rant about things that we hate in pharmacy because Neil and I are very similar in that way. And we have a lot of things that we have grievances in the pharmacy world. So I hope that you really enjoyed today's episode. You take away some information on the resources that Neil is providing and definitely um, follow him on social media. And of course, me, if you have any questions for me, best way is on Instagram at healthformation or shoot me an email, healthformation.podcast at gmail.com. Thanks. We, but we didn't, we've been doing those equity doses clinics, yeah, right? So those are awesome. Yeah, they've been awesome, but they're more labor intensive because you can't do, like when I'm doing my employees, I send them, obviously it's different in New York, but like what we do is if you put in their name and email into the system, it will send them a, like a prompt and then they can sign up themselves and put all their demographic information in, which takes five minutes per patient when you're doing 300, that's a lot of minutes, but like we're doing these clinics and people are just coming. So then you go through and register them all. And their handwriting is absolute garbage. (laughs) You can't read anything. My parents came and me and my mom spent like six hours after the first clinic I did just entering everyone into the computer because we didn't do it. It was disaster, but I've <laughs> lessons learned. 
Yeah. I mean, you're, the story that you're saying is literally what we're all dealing with in the customer service nightmare. We just moved to customer service. We are not doing any customer service. So I started up saying, we're going to do all the customer service. We're going to make sure that we address every single email that comes in. And now we're to the point where it's like, okay, we are just going to delete your email if it's already been answered on our website. So yeah. everything's going to our website and our website, we just like revamped this weekend. So we made it like unbelievably easy. It's like sign up, get ready, second dose, volunteer. These are the tabs. Here's the frequently asked questions. And if, and then even confirm your appointment. I built an app with some help with some freelancers mm -hmm. to have people confirm their appointments. Right. Awesome. So that way I don't have to do any of that crap. Right. And so um, it even does like updates. So we have to change a location. So now it says update location change, you know, that whole thing. So it has been a nightmare. I think that the level of customer service that people like normally expect from a pharmacy isn't what they normally, like they don't expect us to be able to provide exemplary customer service from what I've been seeing, because everyone is just so happy that they're there to get their vaccine. And they know <laughs> that we're working so hard to get them yeah. their vaccine that they're like, whatever, I don't care. Like, yeah. let me tell you, this is, this, this boiled my blood so bad. So <laughs> Okay, so where I work is in like a really rural area yeah. and we have a little hospital here and they have been freaking killing it with the vaccines. Like we've been, they've been partnering with um, our students to help them to go give vaccines. And every week they're doing all these clinics. It's literally like, I don't know how their hospital is running because it's taking so many of their staff to run these clinics. Yeah. And when we first started, it was obviously in December. It's yeah. cold, but we're in North Carolina. So it's not zero. Mm -hmm. And it's 70 plus at this time. So everyone is waiting out. They have to wait in line outside again, December. No one had gotten their vaccine. No one cares. They come with yeah. chairs. They blanket up. Yeah. They, we start at 10. They get there at 6 a.m. It's fine. Well, we get a um, guy from the news to come and he writes an article about it. And I'm like, yeah, we've been killing it. We've been doing a thousand doses every day. This is awesome. The headline of the article is, New venue needed as seniors wait in cold for hours for their COVID. <laughs> I, I was like, who is this guy and yeah. who let him write this article about yeah. us? I was so mad. So if you haven't, I mean, I know you and I are bros now, so we're on Facebook together and you've seen my complaints and grievances. And I've been doing my rounds on pharmacy podcast, talking about all the kind of hurdles, but I have had my blood boil numerous times. And it's really amazing how many people um, are just really crappy about this whole experience. And uh, not only are, are they just trying to be negative, but they're really trying to like bring you down. You know, mm -hmm. like uh, we've had, we had people report us to the Department of Health because when we hastily stood up our website because we had 12 hours to do so day one, mm -hmm. it said, we're gonna prioritize towards our sickest patients dot, dot, dot. Right. And then technically we weren't supposed to say that in New York. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like, just because, the, and then I didn't though, like it was half my patients, half other people. So I had to deal with the Department of Health. Uh, we had to immunize, uh, we were gonna waste doses, right? And so we got ratted out to the Department of Health because people said it was unfair because we're supposed to only do 65 and above, right? So they and wanted you to throw them away? No, no, the Department of Health just needs to make sure that we are not doing dirty stuff because obviously, they, you know, like if they didn't have rules, people would be like letting their friends cut in line and all this other nonsense. So right. they just want to know that we're doing the right thing. But just the fact that I didn't spend any time talking to anybody about it, it's just really, really frustrating. So it's just, it's just amazing. And then like the local papers, like you're saying, they're just going negative. They're publishing all the horror stories instead of yep. all of the the heroism. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the fact that people are going above and beyond. 
And I think it's really cool that everybody's super happy to get their dose. We had one clinic where we had a wait that was longer than 10 minutes to get a vaccine. And it was an hour and a half. And we had only a couple of people kind of complain, you know, you know, we had to wait. And I said, listen, you know, one person was extremely vocal at the clinic. I said, you've waited longer for pizza. You know, Literally. Uh, if, if we weren't doing this work and it's all volunteers, you would be at the back of a very long line. Right. Mm -hmm. So we have to be super grateful for what we have because this pandemic is over for you in 10 minutes. Right. Because at that point, she was like 10 minutes from a vaccine. So. Right. I feel like I, we need to back up a little because we just like started going in and that's I how it. we do it. Yeah, I know <laughs> that's how we do it. But tell. OK, so tell me I want to hear like your story of like from the beginning of what happened, because yeah. I know you were getting just like a few hundred doses yeah. and then all of a sudden Boom. it just like exploded. Yeah. yeah. So essentially uh, the, the full story is, is that we got added to the priority list to get our vaccines ourselves. Like I thought pharmacists were going to be on the back of a long, you know what I'm saying? Like at the end, because who cares? Like we're fine. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm young. I thought I was going to get in in June. And all of a sudden it's like, Hey, go get your vaccine real quick. So we went and we got it. And we're like, yay. Not thinking that the reason they were doing that is because they wanted us to do all the work, <laughs> you know, well, that was why. That was like January 5th, you know? Mm -hmm. And so then literally that next weekend, it's like, you're in, we need you get ready. And so we had to like panic and scramble and put up a website and build infrastructure. Cause I wasn't going to use the state stuff at all. I'm like, no, 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 we're going to do our own thing. So we'd like scramble. We put all the infrastructure in Sunday order or die, you know, that kind of a thing. So we order and Hey, here comes a hundred doses and a hundred doses. When you first done this is is a lot like a hundred is like, Oh yeah. my goodness, that's it's a ton terrifying. of doses. Right. I can do a hundred doses by myself in two hours right now, you know, like a couple of volunteers, like a like hundred doses. Like, like I sleep through 600 doses. Right. Right. The no very first clinic that you do, you're like, okay, I can do one patient every 15 minutes. <laughs> like, wait, <laughs> yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. We did a hundred doses over eight hours. And then by the time it came for the second dose clinic, we did it in two. Like I just right. rescheduled everybody. I exactly. said done two. And so, uh, so, right. So we did a hundred and then the next week we got 200. Like, oh my goodness, they must've really liked what we're doing. And then and the next week we got 700 doses and everybody's like, bam, like I got an NPR. I got an, I got every bit of media because I was the only private practice for two weeks in the entire County to get any doses. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. all eyes are on me. And then my, my email list, uh, my notification list balloons Blooded. from 2000 to 8,000 mm. like overnight. And there's people all over the state that are trying to kind of get to me because we're not only are we getting doses, but we're getting rid of them in record time. So 700 doses for a Walgreens would take about two months. It seems at their current rate, right? Like we're, we get rid of 704 hours. So, right. so then it was like famine. There was nothing that happened. I got zero doses for three weeks. Right? And so, and I, I don't know why. And I think it, what it was, was the state was saying, listen, we just gave you all of the doses. Let's like spread it out. And one of the things that we've talked about personally off the air is like this idea of equity doses. The idea that, you know, racial lines, access issues to the internet and transportation seem to be three major problems for people getting vaccines, especially seniors, right? right. And so my whole thing was when we got that 700 doses, we had done like a little pilot program where we were going to like black churches and like, you know, yep. NAACP exactly. and different community groups and stuff like that, just to try to make sure people are getting spoken for, right? And so we did that and that was a big success. And 
and then we got nothing. And I saw these doses going all over the map. So if you look at the map, it says, you know, it goes from Woodstock, which is the top of our county, to the rest of the map. And it's, oh, it looks like there's more doses available, but the problem is they're moving slower and it's increasing those equity problems because those mm -hmm. are chains. And the chains aren't certainly doing anything what I'm doing, driving right. around like a psycho, right? Yeah. They're not doing any of that. You have to sign up online and, and then like Walgreens around here was telling people that they didn't have a second dose appointment, even though that's what the, the, the contract says you're supposed to do. So then we had a hundred people calling us looking for second doses after one of these clinics. It, it, so they're doing absolutely nothing to, to kind of support all of that. So, we, so I could understand from a state perspective that they wanted to distribute it more, but the problem was is it was increasing the equity and then it was making me sit on my hands and I wasn't really doing anything. Mm -hmm. I begged, borrowed and steal, stole and I got a hundred more doses. And then all of a sudden I get a phone call on a Friday and it's like, and this was after that really crazy, like Texas storm week, right? So all the shipments were delayed. And they said, um, so you've been pre-booking 3,200 doses since the beginning. Can you really do that in a week? And I'm like, I could do that in three, in three in days, weekend. right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in a weekend, right? And so she gets a chuckle. And then I call my county and I said, hey, listen, dude, I just got this phone call. They're like, we got the phone call too. And we told them the same thing. You can move it in a week, no problem. And I'm like, that's awesome. Seven o'clock that night, 3,200 doses, got to get rid of them in a week. And now it opens this new can of worms where it's like, now this is the mass scale clinics. And I could do 600 a day for five days and, and do that, but not me. I wanted to test out my model. I've been talking smack in the pharmacy group saying, listen, I think my system can handle 170 an hour. I could do 10,000 a week if I were given yep. it. Right. And so that's what we tested and that's what we built. And now we're to the point where, yeah, easily, we, we have all the systems in place, the technology, everything, all of the problems that were, were created by doing a mass clinic, going from small clinics to bigger clinics have been addressed. And I pre-booked last week and I've got 600 coming after that 3,200 week, which is great. So that means that, and because any other pharmacy in our area is only getting 800 total, right? So, so we're getting 600 and then everybody else is getting 800. So that's kind of a sign that, hey, they know that we can move doses. So I'm hoping like uh, at least 600, I would love to do a thousand every week until this thing is over or give me, give me 5,000. I'll do that too. You know, it kind of feels like at some point we're going to be, we're going to have vaccinated everyone. Yes. You think at some point you're going to like put out these clinics and be like open clinic, like anyone could come because we've just moved into phase four. So now we're right. like basically everybody, but they still keep coming. Yeah. It is pretty amazing. So when, if you look at our county statistics, we were talking about this when they open it up to comorbidities, it's basically 150,000 adults, right? And now 120,000 people are eligible. It would be easier to email the non-eligible patients and say, hey, you can't get your vaccine now. Yep. So why don't they just open it up, right? Mm -hmm. And just let everybody get it. And then just say, yeah, these people prioritize there's this and these people prioritize that, whatever you know, it takes. But you know, the thing for me is that... Um, I noticed with my last clinic, the 3,200 doses, we had 300 people, 10% of those people uh, just do a no-show. Oh. And and that and like it took us more, you know, normally we announce a clinic, even the big one, 700, we'll have them filled up in 30 minutes, right? Because that's how hot everybody is for it. This took about three days to fill. And mm -hmm. so it really kind of tells me that we're approaching uh, saturation, you know, yep. I just posted, I'm sure you saw on my Facebook, I said, anybody who's 65 or I said, 75 or older that needs a vaccine PM me crickets. Uh, I said 65 and older, and I got like three or four people. So I really feel like we're really hitting that point where almost all of the seniors are immunized. So this is what it's going to be like, is that we're going to, 
for the next, let's say six to eight weeks, we're going to grind through, we're going to do thousands and thousands and thousands, and then it's going to slowly drip through. And then basically from June to September, it'll be very, very sparse clinics, which is great. Yeah. I mean, Jesus, did you ever think that we would have this outcome? Yeah. (laughs) No, but it just goes to show like, not to be this way, but pharmacists are killing it in this space. Like they should have given it to us from the beginning. Without a doubt. We shouldn't have to close down a hospital and use their entire freaking clientele to staff a clinic when you could just give it to a pharmacist and we could get it done. Right. If you think about um, the state, uh, New York state has added fairgrounds and they're doing 2000 a day at all these different fairgrounds. Now the one in our County is down like an old school street. There's one road you know, mm-hmm. it's like those vacation towns. And so it's going to completely botch up traffic. And then it's the fairgrounds and it's just a big mess. Right. And it's 2000 a day. And between my department of health and, and me, we could do 2000 a day. Right. And they, the state doesn't need to bring their infrastructure. They don't need to bring the resources. They could literally give it to us and they could say, okay, Ulster County is taken care of. And, and it's not just Ulster County it would literally be this region that we could right. just be taken care of. Um, so, yeah, I believe that farm, you know, and I've been saying this to everybody, this is what our propaganda says at the clinics is that imagine, you know, I, I'm an advocate of independent pharmacy. You know, they've shown their their colors here, of course. Yep. Imagine if we were strengthened, right, and supported what we could do. Yeah. And the problem is, is that, you know, and this is the NBC News articles and all of this stuff that's talking about the reimbursement model in pharmacy, especially around COVID. It's that we are on death's door. 97% of New York independent pharmacists are fearing closure right now. That was a study that just came out, right? Yeah. It's just incredible. Like, uh, so like, give it, give us the ball, give us the support. And we're obviously valuable members of this team, especially in a situation like this, because we're so accessible. I have two questions for you based off that. But the first one I want to ask is based on like your, what you guys are doing, like, how is it going administratively? Like with all the billing and all everything, like, are you having difficulties? Because we're not, so we're not billing, which just because I don't bill in the pharmacy, like I'm in a clinic. So it would have to go to the front desk people and they just don't have the capacity to do it. And our medical director was like, we don't need a bill, but it's not the point of us like making the money. It's just, so everyone on my campus has blue cross because that's what our insurer is. Why should I have to work every freaking Saturday and blue cross not pay for the fact that like, obviously I'm not getting the money. I don't care, but we should be reimbursed for this shit. That's what they want us to do us do all the work and then them not have to pay for anything. Well, that's just it. I mean, we could go and talk at nauseum about the broken healthcare system, but if there's a, a specific cost per administration, right? So mm-hmm. w- if the state is doing it, it still costs them money to have the facilities and the infrastructure and the travel. And so what is that cost versus the dollar per script that we're being reimbursed, right? Mm-hmm. So even if it's a couple bucks more, doesn't it make sense to just give it to the people that have the stuff in place? And yes, absolutely. You should be billing for this. Um, mm-hmm. The insurance company should not be getting off free because I believe that they were getting paid from the government anyway. Isn't that how it works? Right. So, so the third parties uh, go to the federal government and say, okay, give us the money for this. I thought that's how, how it works. Right. So they're, if you bill them, they're getting paid too. So, you know, and so that brings up the whole thing with the private insurers and how they're reimbursing below the rate because they want that little spread because, you know, it's, 
the whole system needs to get bulldozed. Uh, but yeah, I, the billing and administrative side of things is the part where we have no volunteers and we take it all upon ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And we say, listen, and you know, to do 240, it took about a week, right? To like enter and make sure all the insurance was correct and all of that. When we had 700, it took us three weeks. Mm -hmm. And I said, this doesn't work. So I've been working on some technological kind of uh, innovations with like RX30 to try to make the process a little bit more automated. And mm -hmm. so I'm hoping for my 3000, which we haven't built yet, mm -hmm. um, we get this nice snappy process that'll just take a couple hours of my time uh, versus and like just automatically generate the prescriptions versus um, what we would have to do, which is manually enter everything. Oh, so. yeah. That's horrible. Yeah. I mean, I had, to I had to develop an app for this whole process because if you think about it, people are signing up using JotForm or some HIPAA secure thing when we get a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. So we have an app now that takes the scheduled folks and then all of my volunteers can check in somebody that's scheduled or add uh, somebody that's like a drop-in. Mm -hmm. And then it collects all the data and it structures the data to clean it. So that way, you know, like phone numbers have area codes and all yeah. that other crazy stuff. And it captures the insurance information and everything into a spreadsheet. So then it outputs it. Because if you think about it, we have to report to the state. We have to yep. do RX30. We have to do like our confirmation app. All of that stuff has to be done. So we we have to, you know, like, you know, to to be able to like click a few, a few buttons instead of me spending hours and hours and hours reconciling all of this stuff. It's just it's just tremendous. So we've, we've done a lot of work to build these apps. And I will offer that if anybody is listening and wants to reach out to me, I have a WordPress plugin that the, you can use to confirm appointments. And then this main app for the pod management, I think like that's good. And then on top of that, of course, part of the reason I wanted to come on is that I've got a course that I did on my supplement yeah. school, drneilsmoller.com slash courses. And it goes through like bottlenecks and like systems and SOPs. And it's basically an operations manual for immunization clinics. It's dirty because I just threw it up because I was just like, I got too much stuff to do, but I wanted to help. So it's available for people to take a look at. You need a resident. I need a resident. I need a resident because I, I think, you know, again, we've talked about this and you talk about health outside of the role of pharmacy and drugs. And you talk about, you know, holistic care. And I'm kind of tired of being drug around by the nose in the practice, right? Yep. So I'm immunizing because that's where the practice has gone. And if you think about my, my world in independent pharmacy, we're going from one gimmick to another to try to stay relevant and stay on top of it. And I'm sick of that. And what I want is I want us to say, we're going to lead here. And, and my point, I'm going to be the, the, the head duck in that V. And yep. I want to say, we're going to do holistic care. We're going to take back supplements and wellness and nutrition and all of that stuff. And it's going to yep. be under our purview because everything that goes into your body is relevant to a pharmacist. So medications, supplements, vaccines, food, all of it, right? So we want, and you know, we are taught our, our models, our algorithms are, start with non-pharmacological options. And instead of us just saying, oh, you know, take supplements or eat well, like let's actually know what those are and know how to actually help people treat and prevent disease using those non-pharmacological options. And so yeah. I need a resident. So give me a resident if you can do that for me. Appreciate well, I have some, but they're in North Carolina. Okay. Well, we got Zoom now. We don't need anybody local anymore. <laughs> I don't know if ASHP would appreciate that, but <laughs> let me have a Zoom resident. I will make you a preceptor. I will love to. <laughs> I would love to. I want you to talk about your, because I know this is not really relevant to what we were just talking about, but I mm -hmm. thought of it because we got on this train. So you just did an article about how your business is growing and you're losing money more rapidly now. Yeah. It's incredible. The 
the attention that's being paid to us is great. I mean, so people are, you know, I've been in my town for 10 years and people are like, I see you now. Right. I, I never knew the value. And that's the way it is across the country. We're at a point where a, a large chunk of the population never grew up with an independent pharmacy or never see the value of independent pharmacy. It's only if it's a generational thing that you really see that value. Right. So when when you when your parents or grandparents grew up with that same independent pharmacy, it's fine. But if you're on your own and you're in a college town and there's just some dumpster fire chain, you, that's what you get used to. You, that's what a pharmacy is to you. You just go and you get your drugs. You don't care if they talk to you, you just go on your way, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so people are now saying, okay, I see you, right? And so that's great. So they transfer all their prescriptions over. And because of the reimbursement model, we're losing money. So I just know some do just transfer 10 prescriptions in, which at any other point in my career would have been great, but three of them were losing 30 bucks on. So just to fill his prescriptions, we're losing $80 after it's all said and done, you take it all in to, to service this guy. I lose $80. So it's accelerating my loss. It's accelerating the death of my business. Insane. So what do we do about it? Well, I, again, like, so my solution is a little bit more radical. I would say that we need to get the pharmacist out of the drug cost game, right? So I think that we need to be transparent about what drugs cost. We need, that's a whole other issue. We need to make sure that there is some sort of regulatory, whatever system to make it so insulin isn't $600 a box, right? All of that kind of stuff, right? And so that if you go to one pharmacy, it costs $5 and another pharmacy, it costs 800 Exactly. And, and, and why is it that, you know, your Prilosec costs $13 and mine costs four? Like all of that stuff is silly, right? So we need a single unified, like national approach to the, the, the manufacturer's pricing, right? So that's one bear. But then we have this other bear, which is like, okay, so then we have to get the drugs to the different areas and the different areas cost different amounts of money. So then each area should have a set fee for their services. So a flat fee per prescription dispense. Now that of course can be gained because I can, instead of doing 90 day supplies, I can do 14 day supplies. And then I get that fee every time. So we have to work on that, that structure, but I believe we should have a clear, um, like not bloated price of what the drugs are. And then an added fee for every single thing that we dispense, right? right? So it costs me $15 per prescription to dispense something, then I should be incentivized to do that, right? So 15 bucks is what I should be getting. That's how we solve the problem, but I don't think that the world cares. And this is what I kind of like, like to rant about is that our government over the past 50, 60 years has just been building these big businesses and these big businesses can survive because they then buy the industry and then they change the mm -hmm. rules. And so there is, there's no advantage there. Lay people won't care about this because they have stock in X, Y, and Z company. And those stocks are doing good as they keep dominating the market. So, so how can we fix it? We fix it by like being the VA, which, you know, we can argue that it's not good. I could argue that it is, yeah. you know, flat, flat, flat dispensing, like copays, everybody's got skin in the game negotiated costs on these drugs. And then it's just a, a cost plus fee and that's it. Right. And, and then, and then, you know, I, I, and I just don't believe that we can get there. And I, I don't, so I'm looking at this and going, what's the future here? <sighs> right. Scary. So what's the future? I have an independent pharmacy that's now costing me money. It's taking away from my vitamin business before it was amplifying it. But now it's like digging into it. Right. And I, again, I'm not some schlub. I've got a big vitamin business and I'm going, what the hell am I doing? You know, this is crazy. 
So sad. So, you but, know, how many bottles of how many bottles of probiotics do I have to sell to make up an $80 loss? You shouldn't have to sell any. Like <laughs> right. you should be able to make profit on everything that you do because it's business. Yeah. Every other business leader that I talk to in every other discipline is like, you're crazy. Right. You're crazy. Well, the two things, number one, off of what you just said, which people don't know, unless you're in pharmacy, we don't know how much things cost. Like you don't know how much the drug company or the insurance company says this costs until after you bill the insurance there. We don't have a list right. of like Blue Cross Blue Shield says amoxicillin is $4. I had to do go to the ENT for some like MRI. And I was just like, um, I went to get the MRI and I'm like, well, I, I just got to pay for it because my deductible is huge anyway. So what's the price? And they're like, we don't know. I'm like, you're the MRI company. How come you don't know what the price is? Like what's going on there, right? You have Blue Cross or Aetna, it's going to be a different versus Aetna is a different price. Mm -hmm. It's horrible. Yeah. And then the other thing that has been really grinding my gears lately is that I'm always constantly trying to like educate people about PBMs, but I have yeah. since realized that even people in our own profession do not know the problems associated with PBMs. Pharmacy cannot continue the way that it is going because of these, these PBMs. Your entire career is going to be different if we don't do something about this and you don't even know about it. Right. Yeah. I think that what a lot of folks kind of tend to forget is that there's more community pharmacists than there are other types of pharmacists, right? I right. mean, almost all of our friends go to school to become community pharmacists. Mm -hmm. And independent pharmacy used to be a majority stake of the community pharmacists. And then since 2009, when Caremark was purchased by CVS, it radically shifted and the 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 market has changed horribly, right? And there's a right. lot fewer. And it was truly independent pharmacy that's been guiding the practice of pharmacy up until that point, you know, um, now we have the push for clinical services, which I think is a very valuable part of what we can offer and everything like that. Mm -hmm. As I'm saying with the supplements, I'm saying basically, you know, using PharmaSpeak MTMs, you know, with, with supplements and, and wellness included. So, yep. you know, the, um, I think that it's all very important, but you know, community pharmacy is what was really leading the way and, um, it's not going to happen anymore. So our practice is at risk because of the pharmacy benefits managers, our entire practice. Yep. So yeah, yep. we might be able to reinvent ourselves and all of that other stuff and provide these extra great services. But the question is, is who's going to pay, you know, and that, that question was always answered by the uh, private market, right? The independent pharmacists were able to get paid for stuff, you know, but now right. that doesn't happen. So. And what about the fact that if you are a healthy person with unlimited medications, it's cheaper to not have insurance yeah. than it is to be insured. That's me. That's me right now. It's just, it's better to not have any insurance. I spend $1,500 a month for my family plan. It's a budget family plan. So that's what 18,000 a year. Mm -hmm. And we have a $10,000 deductible. Why don't I just take $20,000 and get some sort of umbrella, horrible, catastrophic coverage, right? And just say, in the event that something horrible happens, right? Like it doesn't make any sense at all. The, again, it all needs to be bulldozed. And there's lots of people that will argue one way or another, but the, the truth is, is that there are 33 other countries that have systems in place that are far superior in both reimbursement and in provision of care. Right. And so for us to say, Oh, it wouldn't work here. It's that's just propaganda 
to keep the system at a status quo. I am okay with my pharmacy not making billions of dollars. I just want to have consistency. I want to have dependability. I want to know that if I provide care to somebody, I'm going to get paid for it. Just think about it. People want to support me. They're transferring their business to me. I want to care for them. And it's not like I buy drugs crappy. I'm a part of a huge buying group. We buy better than most grocery chains. Some some of the retail chains we buy better than, right? Yep. So we're buying the drugs. You better believe I'm running my business efficiently. I'm, I'm like a nerd with inventory and all this other stuff, right? So, so then it doesn't matter because it comes down to the reimbursement. And yeah, we're trying to get PBM bills passed, but I mean, they have no teeth. You know, nothing is going to change in the near future. And it's very, very frustrating. And if if tomorrow there was a light switch that flicked and said, oh, we're going 100% single payer and there's no more profit to be had from PBMs or from pharmacy, I'd be okay with it. Like if I lost everything tomorrow and just like, oh, it's out, you're just a government building now. I'm okay with that too, because at least then I know that it's equitable when it comes to the provision of care, right? Like at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to say is like, what, how do we lower our, our universal costs here? You know, what about the the statistic of that United Healthcare, like at the height of the pandemic profited $640 million or some stupid thing yeah. because no one was going to the doctor. Yeah. So they were paying their premiums, but United wasn't having to pay anything out because yeah. No one's going to the doctor. Right. I mean, if you, if you just think about it, how many insurance plans are there? A billion, right? And then they all have marketing departments. They all have like utilization departments. They have executive suites. All of that, just that duplication across all these different businesses. How much is that costing us as individuals, right? As With no added value. And then all of the crazy stuff that they're doing, like the spread pricing where they pay me $10, they tell the plan that they paid me 20 and then they keep the $10 difference. In New York, I think that's something like a billion dollars a year. Crazy. If you, if people want to know more about your infrastructure and everything, yeah. where to me again, where to send them? So drneilsmoller.com slash courses. Okay. Um, that's where the, the course is. Now, if we okay. send them to drneilsmoller.com slash Vax, V-A-X, mm-hmm. that shows the verbiage and the workflow that I did on my site because it may help you with this. Because what okay. we realized quickly, we had just one page, but then it just grew to be like a, a, a old scroll, you know, because first doses, second doses, all this other crazy stuff. So we just separated everything out. And one of the okay. coolest parts of our story that I don't think we've talked about is this idea of the volunteer army, you know? Oh yeah. I think that that's the part that I'm most proud of. So at the beginning of this, I knew that I couldn't pay anybody to do this because I would lose my face. Right. So, mm-hmm. and I needed to get it done to help immunize folks. So I asked my friends and family, I'm like, can you guys come just volunteer at these clinics for me just to help out? So for the first three clinics, it was literally my friends that we socialize with aunts and uncles, my in-laws, everything. Right. Who was immunizing? I was. So I was doing all of the work myself for the first clinics because I was like, geez, until we got the 700 doses, then I had a couple of pharmacists come help out. Um, So all of the work that we did with these inequity doses and, and, and those special clinics and, and everything. And then the volunteers posting their stories about how fulfilling it is and how, how 
great. It is helping accelerate this process because that's really what they're doing. They're force multiplying here. They're making it so I can give not just 100 doses a week like everybody else, but thousands and thousands and thousands to end the pandemic sooner. And so it's been inspiring. And now we have 180 people in our volunteer army. And mm -hmm. we, we put out a call for our clinic this week. We said, listen, we've got 30 volunteers that we need for four hours over at you know such and such clinic place. And it filled in 15 minutes. So now we have like people just rushing, hoping to volunteer. People are signing up all the time and they're the reason that we're able to get this done. Right. And so, and that's the point is that like, I continue the good works where I could just say 600 doses, come get it. Instead of doing that, I'm saying, okay, so where are the senior residences throughout the County? And I'm coordinating with the, the, the County's bus system to get them on. And then like, we're volunteering, like you, you said before, the effort it takes to call people and register them because they can't, nobody's doing that. And I know it's the right thing to do because of that. And all of these volunteers are willing to do this good work. And that's what really makes my story the most special is that there's all of these people that are willing to help us get this done faster and go far above and beyond uh, what right. any other pharmacy is doing to get this done. And one thing that's interesting that I learned, which you kind of, I mean, you learn these things when you're in school, but then like seeing it in practice is really interesting because you said, you know, you're going to historically black churches and that's what we've been doing too. And the first one that we did is to literally two miles down the road. Right. It's so easy to get to from where we are. So I was like, well, we'll just do the clinic at our school and then they could just come. Yeah. And I was talking to the pastor and he was like, no, people won't come because they're really intimidated by it. They're going to see this big building, this big glass building. They don't feel comfortable. They will come here because this is where they go every Sunday and they know us yeah. and they have a community here and they'll come here. So yeah. it's not that they're like, it, and he said, you know, some of these people are already hesitant to trust the healthcare system or already hesitant to trust mm -hmm. the vaccine. Mm -hmm. He said, just do it here. You'll get more people. And he's right. Yeah. And so now, because we like did this model in our county and uh, some other county, you know, they really want to implement it. It's two counties over. They want us to implement it there. And every time they call the health department, they're like, just send them to us and to us and the people aren't going exactly. like we want to do them in the church. So I'm like, okay, well, we'll come there and do it there. Right. We just find some doses. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's the big point. Like we're 14 weeks into this and they're still talking about, oh, we want to make sure acceptance is high. And uh, 14 weeks ago is when I said, this is the way to solve the problem. Give me doses and still nothing. So they're doing the lip service thing. And, you know, one of the things I call my patients out on, like anybody that's like very bitter about not getting their doses. Oh, your system sucks. I haven't got a dose. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to give 50 doses to the NAACP in this town that's completely been forgotten. Do you want one of those doses? Because I thought you're Mr. Woke liberal guy, right? That wants to take care of folks, right? And so that's how I talk to people, unfortunately, but like it works. And, and but, but it's just like, you know, th this idea here of, um, of we have the idea, we have the answer to the problem and it's pharmacies going to our community. We have the roots, we have the relationships. Yep. Let, let's work together to help with that trust. One of the, the toughest nuts to crack, if you've tried yet, is the Hispanic community. Uh, one, there are a lot of younger folks, so we can't even immunize them. Two, they certainly don't trust the system because some of them are undocumented and some of them are, you know, kind of like uh, pushing the, the the legal limits. But and they're but they're living ten in a in a house, right? And they are the ones out working in the most riskiest environments, right? So, do we want to do the right thing and immunize folks, or do we have to follow like boop boop boop? You know, we have a lot of migrant workers here, so yeah. we have the North Carolina Farm Worker Project 
everyone is Hispanic, but we are in a very good place because we already partner with them and we provide all the medical care in our county for anyone that is a farm worker here. So we are working to partner with the North Carolina Farm Worker Project to immunize those migrant workers. But I'm just worried when we get there, you know, they're not actually, they're going to say, oh yeah, I want it, I want it, and we're going to go, and then they're not going to want it. But I understand. But it is a tough nut to crack that whole population. So. Oh, yeah. And we're trying. Um, one of the things that we said was we we wanted to try to get the J&J vaccine for them. So because it's one and done. Yeah. One dose, mm-hmm. it would be inc- like totally increase how much we could do for them. Right. So but we haven't been able to get it yet. So we'll see what happens next week. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I think that this the vaccination effort poses a lot of challenges that pharmacists specifically have risen to, you know, meet uh, or exceed uh, our expectations. And I think that a lot of folks are looking at it going, well, how do I do this? Am I doing this right? You know, the mm-hmm. thing that irritates me the most is when you go to a fair and like somebody's selling hot dogs in a booth and it's like a community group and there's no workflow, right? <laughs> and they're just like tripping over each other. And like, so that's what I don't want to have happen at a pharmacist clinic is like, you don't know what's going Going on. So I'm all about <laughs> definitely take the clinic, uh, the course on the clinics at my site. I think that will super help out uh, most of the people here. And, you know, follow me because I've been writing lots of content about, you know, how how people can accept this more and like the frequently asked questions and just like the communication, I think, is the most important thing. If you want to provide a service here, it's communication. Nobody's communicating, even like the state. They're like, if they would just say, hey, we're done with our our orders for this week, you got none. Try again next week. That would take away a million bits of anxiety, right? Because yeah, like I'm just constantly spamming it Friday to Monday just in case I got a dose. But if they were just like, okay, we started the process, we ended the process. If you got no doses, tough nuggies, you know? Like, That's what they do for us. They don't. Like we have this many hundred, whatever, thousand doses this week. And then this is all the places that got people that got them. Yep. Nope. We don't get, we get that. that email once a week on Thursday. Yeah. We don't get that. So. <laughs> so so the communication has been the toughest part for everybody. Everybody just doesn't understand. I will give another piece of advice that I just came up that's been working a lot because now that we, every time we do something right, we get lots of friends. We become very popular, right? So um, I now have a lot of groups, restaurants, you know, community groups just saying, okay, we want you to come do vaccines for us. And what I say is that the timing of this thing does not allow us to start the engine too late. So what we have to do instead is if you're a community group, if there are people in your charge, you need to start and maintain a list of your people. So I want an active census of all your restaurant employees, right? And three columns. I want the dose. I don't want the dose. And I've gotten the dose. And if, if they maintain that, then the engines run it. So that way, when we get doses on Friday, we can call you on Saturday and say, listen, we're going to tee you up for Wednesday. Get everybody there for Wednesday. Because mm-hmm. right now I've got a, like a group with 11 employees trying to track down 450 people just to see if they're interested in getting the vaccine. Mm-hmm. And then we got to call them and get them registered. So it just makes way more sense for these community groups. Everybody's sitting around waiting, maintain a list, right? So who are the people in your life that need vaccines? You, you know, your right. church A, church B, who are the people that need vaccines? So that way, if somebody calls you, you can say, yep, we got these 15 people. They're ready to go. Here's their numbers. And right. so if you're a pharmacy and you're, or a pharmacist, you're trying to address these issues, that's the best thing you can do. Call around and say, listen, I want the point of contact. I want you to maintain your list. Don't send me the list. Just keep the list. And then when I'm ready, I'll call you. And then we'll work on the list together. 
that was one of the things, one of the, in the COVID for pharmacy group, one of the questions somebody posted was if you could change one thing with the vaccine rollout, what would it be? And my suggestion was we need one, one list of these are the people that want a vaccine. And this is like, if I'm in Raleigh and I'm in North Raleigh, I could go to the list and pull up the North Raleigh list. And here's all the people that want a vaccine in North Raleigh. And if they're qualified and I can call them or send them a mass email, because everybody has a freaking list. And then yeah. there's people people are on 10 lists. So mm-hmm. then you think, Oh God, I got plenty of people on this list. And then you call them already got it somewhere else. Already got it somewhere oh. else. And then you have like a dose that you're trying to get rid of. Right. And you're like, what the heck? yeah. And that's the point of the, st- the standby list at the beginning used to be something that was very easy. People would answer the phones, but now it's like, no, I already got one. Why didn't you call me to ask me to go off the standby list? You know what I'm saying? Take like, name, yeah, Take your name off the freaking list. Yeah, please. So we're actually doing now standby lists for every clinic. So we do our sign up, and then there's a link that says, once it fills up, uh, we'll take 50 people for the standby list, answer your phone. You know, That's good because then you'll have to re-sign up the next time if you don't That's right. get one. Mm-hmm. I appreciate this conversation immensely. Um, I hope that people will come and find your school. Yeah. (laughs) All right, dude. Thank you. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye.